Well, good morning. For our scripture reading this morning, we are starting out in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and then we'll look at a verse in 2 Timothy 2, and then in Revelation 19. But we'll start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. The Bible says, God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13. The Bible says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. All right, and then Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. The Bible says, and I, saw, and I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, it's never-ending. It really never, never began before we even were thought of here on this earth. You were faithful. And thank you so much for, for that. It's, your mercies are new every single morning as we just sang about, and I, I just thank you so much. Lord, you, you do so much for us and provide things and are merciful and faithful to us, and, and we are far from deserving of any of that. But you still do it. Lord, thank you for your long-suffering toward us. Lord, we, the least we can do is just do our best to be faithful to you and to be merciful to, to others and to emulate you. Lord, I just pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning, help us in a mighty way, and be with Preacher as he speaks to us here in a few moments. Just put your hand upon him, strengthen him, and fill him with your Holy Spirit, and just pray that our hearts would be open to exactly what you have for us, and we'll give you the honor and glory for it, in Jesus' name, amen. We have been looking at some things in Scripture that deal with us knowing God. And our verses that we started out with are Jeremiah chapter 9, <clears throat> verses 23 and 24. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For these things I delight, saith the Lord. The Lord says, let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. So we've been taking some weeks to look at knowing God and how we can know him better. This morning we want to talk about knowing God's faithfulness. Aren't you glad God is faithful? Amen? He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his people. He's faithful to his creation. We have a faithful God. 
God is faithful. Say that together with me. God is faithful. And we believe that. We know that. Even when we don't think that God is faithful, He still is faithful. Amen? Even if we don't believe He's faithful, He's still faithful. That's a part of His character. That's a part of who He is. And so as we continue our series on knowing God, we want to think about this character of God that is character trait that is very wonderful, and that is faithfulness. And I want us to look at seven ways this morning in which God is faithful. You have some notes on the back of your bulletin if you want to fill those out as we go along. It's especially important for us as Christians to know how faithful God really is. It'll keep us from getting discouraged when the tough times come. When difficult times come in our life, we're able to look back on past experiences as well as examples in the Word of God, how God has been faithful, and that encourages us to trust Him again. Amen? Amen. We, we sometimes face physical difficulties, and we can remember times when we were ill and God touched us and healed us, or loved ones that He touched answered prayer and raised them up. We sometimes think of financial struggles and we go back to times when God met our needs and he was faithful to take care of us. Amen. We think sometimes of even emotional problems and struggles and we look back to see how God has taken care of us. He's always been faithful and that encourages us to know that he's still going to be faithful today. Amen. First of all, I want you to notice God's faithful to keep. He's faithful to keep. If you go back with me to the book of Deuteronomy, way back in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter number 7, I want you to see a couple of verses there, verses 7 and 8 and 9. Look at verse 9, first of all. He says in verse 9, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God. And notice the next three words. The faithful God. He is God. He's the faithful God. And then he says, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God says he's going to keep his covenant. He's going to keep his promises to a thousand generations. That's a pretty long time, isn't it? God's going to keep his word. He's never going to fail in keeping what he promised to do. This verse was first written to the nation of Israel. But the two verses that go before that show Israel that without God, they are nothing. And the same thing's true of us. Without God, we can do nothing. Look at verse 7 and 8 of that chapter, Deuteronomy 7, verse 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. God said to Israel, I didn't choose you because you were the greatest, the largest. Look at the next verse. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, and the Lord hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God said, you remember back when you were slaves in Egypt, when you were having to labor and work so hard in slavery? And I, in my mighty power, performed those various miracles and brought those various plagues. And finally, Pharaoh let you go, and I brought you out with my mighty hand of power. God said, I want you to remember that so that you know 
when you face the next problem or trial, I'm the same God that can take care of that problem too. And God wants us to know that he can take care of our problems. He is faithful to keep us in whatever we're going through and whatever difficulty we, are, we, we face. He will keep his promises. God didn't save us because we're great or because we're famous or because we're deserving. We are all sinners that deserve the punishment of hell for all of eternity. But in God's love and mercy, he saved us and declared us righteous in his eyes. He forgave our sins. He declared us his children. We don't deserve it, but thank God he did it. Amen. And now, according to this verse in Deuteronomy 7 verse 9, we see that God is faithful to keep his covenant of mercy. He is faithful to keep his covenants to those that keep his commandments. Now, it's interesting that he says to those who keep his commandments. God gives us some responsibility, doesn't he? God's going to keep his word no matter what. But some of his promises are conditional on us doing our part and us doing what God wants us to do. For instance, our salvation's conditional on our, our putting our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He didn't save everybody, but he saves whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Any who will ask him, he'll save him. And he keeps his covenant. He keeps his promises. He promised in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a promise that God will always keep. Whoever believes in him, we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll keep his promise. He'll save us and give us that everlasting life. God promises peace to those that will trust him and commit their problems to him. He said in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, he said, if you will worry about nothing and pray about everything and be thankful for anything, then he promises that he'll give us the peace of God that passeth all understanding. I think all of you agree with me, we want the peace of God, don't we? When we get saved, we make peace with God. But in our Christian life, we need the peace of God on a daily basis. And then God also promises that he'll meet the needs of his saints. We have God's promise. He said in Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He promised. He, keeps, he is faithful to keep. God's going to keep his promise. Now again, Philippians 4.19, when he says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. If you read that chapter, there's some conditions that are given there. They were faithful to take care of the missionaries and take care of the men of God. And as they were faithful to take care of God's men, God said, I'll take care of you. And as we are faithful to give and to do the work of the Lord, God's faithful to take care of us. God promises and he always keeps his promises. God, the Son, the Lord Jesus, promised that he will never leave us. He said in John 14, 18, I will not leave thee comfortless, I will come to you. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We have God's promise. He's never going to leave us. When you and I got saved, God came to live in us, didn't he? And he says, I'm never going to leave you. You can't run him out, you can't kick him out, you can't push him out, you can't get him out. If you're saved, he's there and he's going to stay there until you get to heaven. He's going to keep his promise. And then God also promised to take care of us. 
He said in Psalm 121, verses 7 and 8, The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. God is faithful to keep his promise. He will take care of us. Most of you are a number of years old. You're, some of you are younger than others. We probably we have teenagers in here, so we may have some down to, to 13, and we have people all the way up to in their 80s in here today. God has taken care of us for a lot of years, hasn't he? And the same God that's taking care of you up until today is the same God that will keep on taking care of you until he takes you home to heaven, and then he'll take care of you up there. He's promised that he'll take care of us. A little girl was walking through the hallway of her home, and she came to a place where they had a cellar door. It was one of those trap doors on hinges, and it was open. And she looked down into the darkness, and she heard a noise down there, and she kind of peered over, and she said, Who's down there? And her daddy looked up, and he said, It's me, Daddy. And she said, Well, I want to come down there with you. And he said, Well... I've already taken the ladder away, but if you'll jump, I'll catch you. Now, she was just a little girl, and she thought, jump down into that hole? You see, her father could see her because she was up there in the light, but she couldn't see him because he was down there in the darkness. And she said, but Daddy, I can't see you. Now, honey, wait a minute. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe I'm down here? Sure, I believe you're down there. I'm talking with you. Do you believe I'm strong enough to catch you? Sure, I believe you're strong enough to catch me. Okay, he said. Do you believe that I love you? Yes, Daddy, I believe you love me. He asked, have I ever lied to you? No, you've never lied, never told me a lie. Okay, you know I'm here. You know I love you. You know I would never lie to you. Now jump. And she said, okay, Daddy, here I come. And she stepped off the black hole, and her daddy caught her and gave her a big hug and sat her down, and she was safe. Now, that, believe it or not, is what faith is. The Bible says, whom having not seen, we love. We know God is there, amen? He speaks to us on the inside. We recognize that he cannot lie to us. We believe that he has the strength to take care of us. We know that he loves us. So when God says go, we go. When God says jump, we jump. When God says leap, we leap. Faith, all it is, is taking God at his word. And that's what God wants us to do in our lives, to understand that God promised us he would be faithful. We take him at his word and believe what he said. He's faithful to keep. Secondly, I want you to notice he's faithful to call. He's faithful to call. Look at 1 Corinthians with me back over to the New Testament. We read the verse a little while ago, Brother Craig did for us. Chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, and look at verse number 9. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9. And it says, God is faithful. Say those words again with me. God is faithful. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now what's that talking about? We're called to what? The fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. What's that talking about? It's salvation. He calls us and we respond to the call and we trust him as our Lord and as our Savior. But aren't you glad God is faithful to call us? 
None of us are saved because one day we decided, well, this isn't the best thing to do. I'm going to get, I think I'll get saved. You got saved because God started doing something in your heart. It's called conviction. It's called drawing. It's the call of God. And God is faithful to call. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. God is faithful to call us into the fellowship of his Son. There is the fellowship that we're able to have with the Lord Jesus Christ as we abide in Him. When we get saved, we abide in Him. We fellowship with Him. We walk with Him. He's present with us every moment, and He wants us to stay close to Him. God wants to have that fellowship with us, and He wants us to be close to Him. What a privilege it is that you and I can talk to God at any place. We can talk to Him at any time. We can talk to Him about any situation. What a wonderful privilege that is. John 15 and verse 4 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Now listen to verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. What a privilege we have to abide in him and have fellowship. And then there's also the fellowship in God's Son that causes us to fellowship with each other. Because we're a part of God's family, we get to fellowship with each other. Aren't you glad that we're not uh, isolated on an island somewhere all by ourselves? I saw a picture the other day. This plane is flying over and this guy's down there on this little island and he's waving his hands like this and the pilot says to the co-pilot, that guy's so friendly, every time we go by here, he waves at us every time we go by. I'm glad that we're not isolated on an island somewhere. We can have fellowship with one another. Amen? And that's because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all members, if you're saved, of the body of Christ. And we're to work together and we're to care for each other as a part of that body. There should be a fellowship with each other. Uh, as the Bible talks about having in common. We have some things in common and the main thing is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we also are called to fellowship with God's Son. That means that we one day are going to get to be with Him forever. One day we'll get to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath his hope in Him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. He said, one day we're going to see him. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17. You're familiar with those verses about the rapture. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Right now he's with us, but one of these days we're going to get to be with him. And he says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Just think, if God hadn't been faithful to call us, we wouldn't be saved. And if God hadn't been faithful to call us, we would not have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And if God hadn't been faithful to call us, we wouldn't have fellowship with each other. And we wouldn't have the privilege one day of spending eternity with Him forever. What a privilege it is that one day we'll get to be with Him. He's faithful to call. And then we find that God is faithful to deliver. He's faithful to, to deliver. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 13, this is another verse that's familiar to us, uh, to many of us. He says in, in chapter 10 and verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is, and there's that word again, say that with me, God is faithful. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. What an amazing thing. He makes a way of escape. Could I tell you that the way, what's John 14, 6 say? Jesus said, I am the way. He's faithful to make a way. The way is Jesus Christ. And Christ gives us a way to overcome whatever temptations may come in our life. When we are tempted, God is faithful. He knows exactly when and where and what to send as help in every situation that we face. God will always provide a way out of temptation exactly when it is needed. I'm impressed that God sends to us a way of escape and that He always does. You say, well, I couldn't help it. Yes, you could. God always provides a way of escape. And it's up to us to take that way that He provides. I think of Joseph who ran from Potiphar's wife when she wanted to seduce him. I think of Samson, who hung around Delilah when he knew that she was trying to discover the secret of his great strength. You see, Samson should have run too. He had the same way of escape that God provided for Joseph, but he didn't take it. If this church building were on fire right now, and I said to you, there's a fire back here behind us. I want everybody carefully and quietly to get up and go out those back doors. And you get up and go out. But you decide, well, I don't want to go out. I'm just going to stay here. And you sit here and the fire engulfs this building and you burn in the fire. You were given a way of escape, but you didn't take it. God is faithful to always provide. Whenever we are tempted, He provides a way of escape. Our responsibility is make sure we take it. Make sure we take that way of escape. It may be running. Sometimes it's just a pause of time that God gives us just to say no. But God always is faithful to deliver us. And then He's faithful to perform. He's faithful to perform. I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 24. God is faithful to perform. He says in verse 24, Faithful is he that calleth you. He's faithful to call us. But look at the rest of the verse. Who also will do it. You and I can't always do what God wants us to do. But we can do it with God's help. The Apostle Paul said, I can do what? All things through Christ who strengtheneth me. God is faithful to help us. He's faithful to call and He says He's the one that will do it. He'll do it through us. He'll help us to be able to do what He's called us to do. If you're still there at 1 Thessalonians 5, look at verse 16. He says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. 
In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Those are familiar verses that God gives to us there. They're verses that remind us how we are supposed to live as Christians, what we are supposed to do and some things that we're not supposed to do. Those words are really keys to holy living and to righteous living and godly living. We are to practice them, and when we practice them, we are sanctified and we are set apart. But then look at verse 23. He says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You say, well, I can't live that way. I can't live that kind of a Christian life. No, but you can live it if you'll let God live it through you. God never calls us to do anything that he will not enable us to do. He'll not ask you to do something that you can't do with his help and his strength. It was Paul's prayer that Christians be set apart totally unto God, and that in the end, our entire spirit and soul and body would be preserved blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and takes us home to be with Him. The encouraging thing here is that God calls us to holiness, and that He's there to help us all the way until the end when we go to heaven. He helps us to live a holy life. Not only does he enable us to live a holy life here now on this earth, but he will bring us into his presence and he'll present us, he says, in one passage, he says he's able to present us faultless, blameless before the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Jude verse 24 and 25 says that very thing. Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his, the presence of his glory and exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. God is faithful to perform. And he will perform what he wants us to do through us. He'll help us. He'll enable us. And as he, perf- he helps us to perform, He preserves us unto Himself so that we will be blameless and holy when we stand before Him. And then God is also faithful to intervene. He's faithful to intervene. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 17. You probably in your lifetime have had to intervene on the behalf of somebody maybe once or twice, maybe a number of times in your life. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17, the Bible says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him, behooved Christ, to be made like unto his brethren. Aren't you glad that God became man? He, the incarnation, Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Christ. God became man. He became like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. You see, when it comes to God, all of us need someone to intervene for us. Job said, oh, that I would have a daysman, that I have somebody that could take the hand of God and can reach down and take my hand and bring us together. And that daysman is the Lord Jesus Christ. He intervenes for you and for me. We are all sinners. 
who have failed God and have broken His laws. And we need someone to speak to God on our behalf, and we need someone to speak to us on God's behalf. And God sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to do exactly that. In Israel, there was someone who intervened for the nation of Israel, for the people of Israel, once a year. He was called the high priest. And once a year, the high priest in in the nation of Israel would go into the Holy of Holies and he would offer a sacrifice for the sins of all of the people of the nation of Israel. The priest, before he went in, had to take care of his own sin. And then he would go in and offer sacrifice for the sins of the people. He was the high priest. But God provided a greater priest for us. He provided the Lord Jesus Christ, His Son, in human flesh. And here, the Lord Jesus Christ became a man. The Bible says He was tempted in all points like as we are. There's never a temptation that you go through that Jesus Christ didn't experience. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to yield to that temptation. Jesus was tempted. Matthew chapter 4 talks about Him being taken out in the wilderness with the devil to be tempted there. And he was tempted, but he didn't yield. He did not give in. He came and lived a spotless, sinless life. And he offered his blood on the cross at Calvary. And that blood, the Bible talks about that blood speaks. That blood speaks to the Heavenly Father on behalf of us and our sin. And because of that blood, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, he can speak to the Father for us. And He can see that our sins are forgiven. He takes the hand of God the Father, takes your hand and my hand, and brings us together through the sacrifice of His blood on the cross at Calvary. In 1 John chapter 2, and verses 1 and 2, He says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. That's God's desire, that we sin not. I don't think there's anybody sitting here today that can say, I have not sinned. In fact, 1 John 1 says, If we say we have not sinned, we are a liar. But he says, my little children, these things write unto you, that ye sin not. God doesn't want us to sin. And he says, and if any man sin, that's all of us, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He says he's the propitiation. What does that mean? That means that Jesus appeased the demands of a righteous God. He incurs divine favor. He goes to God on my behalf as a sinner, and he gained the favor of God through shedding his blood on the cross at Calvary so that I could have favor with God also. And because of that blood on the cross at Calvary, we can have eternal life. You see, that's why you don't get to heaven by joining the church. You don't get to heaven by being baptized. You don't get to heaven by taking communion or going to confession or living a good life. All of those things are not things that will take us to heaven. There's only one thing that appeases the Father. There's only one thing that can take the hand of God and take my hand and your hand and bring us together, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And because He became our sacrifice, He is our high priest who gave His blood on the cross at Calvary as the sacrificial Lamb of God to pay the sin debt so that we could have eternal life. And we can be encouraged that Jesus is always in the presence of the Father. He is our great high priest, and He's there at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says, ever making intercession for you and for me. He doesn't just come to the Father once a year. He's there every day. He's there every hour. He's there every minute to speak to God on our behalf. 
he is faithful to intervene for us. And then also he's faithful to forgive. He's faithful to forgive. He said when we, if we sin, we have an advocate, which is Jesus Christ the righteous. And he tells us what we do as a Christian. Once we get saved, we still have to deal with sin, don't we? Because we still struggle. We, we fail many times in our, in our life as a believer. Sometimes we say, you know, once you get saved, if you sin, here's what you do. Now, it's not a matter of if you sin. It's when you get saved, when you sin. Because we all have sinned after our salvation. You see, here's an amazing thing. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for all of our sins. He paid for all of my sins that I have already committed, but he also paid for all the sins I will commit. They are all paid for on the cross at Calvary. Now, that doesn't give me a right to go out and live and do anything I want. It's already paid for, no. Because Hebrews chapter 11 tells me, or chapter 12, tells me that if I sin and I'm not willing to make things right, then the Father has to chasten me to bring me back into fellowship, just like we chasten our children, and he brings us back into fellowship. But what do we do as a believer? He's faithful to forgive. You know the verse in 1 John 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, say those next three words with me. He is faithful. He is faithful. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You've heard me quote that verse many times, but we must not take it lightly. It is true for every single one of us. Most of us, we can forgive people when they do little things against us. We can handle that. We can forgive them. But we struggle when there's been a major offense against us. When somebody's really hurt us deeply, we struggle with forgiveness. It's not always easy for us to forgive, even when we know that we should. But could I tell you this morning, God is always faithful to forgive. He always forgives. He's faithful to forgive. And if we as Christians know that we have sinned against God, I'm glad that we can come to Him and say, God, I've sinned. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And He always says, yes, I will forgive you. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. He forgives the big sins. He forgives the little sins. And God does not limit how many times we can come to Him for cleansing, does He? If He did, some of us would be past the limit already, wouldn't we? He's faithful, he's faithful, he's faithful. Don't think that you've ever sinned more than God can forgive. That's impossible. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses deeper than any stain of sin has ever gone. God, who although he hates sin, as God forgives and cleanses us, when we come to Him and sincerely confess our sin and make it right with Him. And when He talks about confessing our sin, He's not talking about, Dear Lord, please forgive me if I've done anything wrong today. That's not confessing your sin. He's not talking about, Lord, would you, would you forgive me of all my sins today? That's not confessing your sin. Confessing our sin is when we name it specifically to God and tell him we're sorry for our sin and ask his forgiveness. Praise God, he is faithful to forgive us. And then he's also faithful to the end. He's faithful to the end. I want you to look at one other passage with me. Back in the Old Testament, Lamentations chapter 3. That's kind of a hard book to find, but it comes right after the book of Jeremiah. That's a big book. So find Jeremiah and go past it and you'll get to Lamentations. 
Lamentations chapter 3, listen to verses 22 and 23. The Bible says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. We've all sinned, amen? God says it's His mercy that He doesn't just consume us. He doesn't just burn us up with fire. It's His mercy. Because His compassions, what's the last two words? Fail not. In other words, He is faithful. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Say the rest of that verse with me. Great is thy faithfulness. He's faithful to the end. Michelle Johnson writes this. She said, sometimes we need to take a look at where we've been with God to really understand His faithfulness and His love to us. She was staying with her son at the hospital following a serious surgery that her son had had. And on that particular morning, she was exhausted by their stay and her steps were slow as she walked to the cafeteria for breakfast. But while waiting on the elevator, she realized that she was on the sixth floor of the hospital. The view out the window of that sixth floor of the, was of the concrete roof and it held significant... Uh, special significance to her. It was the roof that she had seen many times because it was the same view that she had when she, for six weeks, had been in the hospital after a car wreck. The doctor said to her that she would never walk normally. She'd have arthritis within a year and that she'd have to have a hip replacement within five years. None of that ever happened. Thirty-five years later, the memories of God's faithfulness during those days moved her to tears. And as she writes, she said, Do you need a reminder of His faithfulness today? Wouldn't it be cool, she said, if you had sit down with some of the men and women of the Bible and talk to them about memories of times with God? Wouldn't it be awesome to hear Joseph's rendition of the events that took him from a dreary prison cell to the palace? Or to hear from Daniel as he told how a faithful God kept him alive, unharmed, for the entire night in the den of lions. Wouldn't it be wonderful to listen to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they would show us the clothes that they wore in the fiery furnace that were never burned or even scorched or even smelled like smoke. Sometimes in the busyness of life, she said, we forget to remember his faithfulness. You need to look back this morning and remember some of the things that God has done for you. I'm so grateful that I can look back and remember the times when God has worked marvelously in my life. And know that the same God that was faithful in the past is the same God that will be faithful today and will be faithful in the future. Those of us who know Christ as our Lord and Savior can be confident that His compassions never fail, the Bible says. That's because He is faithful and He will be faithful until the end. John said in John 14, verses 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He's faithful to keep us until the end. Psalm 23 and verse 6 says, The Lord, when David said, The Lord is my shepherd, he said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But it doesn't end there. It says, And I will what? 
dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He is faithful to the end. He'll never fail us. He's always faithful. I wish I had time this morning, but our time's gone. But I got to thinking about just the, our church here and the years of the faithfulness of God. I remember when we first started, and we were meeting in Turkey Foot Middle School. When we first started the church, we tried to get permission to use the school, and they said no. And we prayed, and we prayed, and it turned out that the youth pastor at Tri-County, which was our mother church that helped us, knew the principal of Beech Grove Elementary School, and he talked to the principal and said, we're trying to get that school at Turkey Foot to use. He said, oh, that's, a, that's fine. He said, that'd be great. And so he talked to the principal there, and the next time I called him, he said, great, we'd love to have you come. You know, it totally turned around. You know why? Because God, God is faithful. We met in there for a year, and we found the property here. It was $127,500 for the property. We put down $2,500 as earnest money. And Tri-County Baptist Church gave us $25,000 as our down payment. We still needed $100,000. We didn't have any idea where we'd get that. Brother Lou went to the church at Tri-County and said, if you folks will loan the money, we'll act as the bank, and we'll see that you get, get paid back. And within a week's time, he had to say, we've got all the money we need. We don't need any more. And they loaned us $100,000. We had no idea where we'd get that. But God is faithful. And they said, if you pay the interest, we'll pay the principal. I wish they'd have said, if you pay the principal, we'll pay the interest, but the other way around. We paid $1,000 a month for four years. Four years, four, 12 months a year, that's 48 months. $1,000 a month, how much is that? $48,000. How much did, we, did they loan us? $100,000. At the end of four years, they said, house next door is for sale. If you guys will take the money you're paying us and buy that house over there, we'll forgive the note. We paid $48,000 on $100,000. I'd take that deal any day, Amen. Amen. God is faithful. We met in a house on the property for a little while and we were praying about building and some guys called me and some, some of the men in the church said, Preacher, did you see the news tonight? I said, no. I said, you need to see the news. I looked on the news and they had a little clip about a guy, bunch of guys that came from Texas and were building a church over in Ohio somewhere. And in, in, in four weeks from start to finish, the church was done. I found out who it was and I called him, Brother Dave Reynolds in, in, in Texas. Longview, Texas. And they were Southern Baptists, and our church is an independent Baptist church. And, and I told him, I said, we're independent, we're not Southern Baptists. He said, well, let me ask you a question. He said, are you, getting, are, you, are you winning any souls? I said, yes, sir. He said, then we'll come help you. And they usually took the month of July to come to the tri-state area, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, and build a church. Well, they, that we already saw on the news, July. They came in November. And helped us to build the church and stayed with us. They could only stay three weeks. And the, the building, from when you go through the connector over here, the building over there is the one that they helped us build. I had the slab poured. I had material here. They came. We started on Thursday morning. And by Saturday night, we had the building closed and, and the roof on in Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Three weeks they stayed to work on the inside, and if they'd have stayed another week, we'd had it finished. It took us a month to finish all the, the trim and woodwork and all that kind of stuff inside, and the building was finished. We could have never done that except God. God is faithful. And you know when we built this building, one day I went out to check the mail, and I opened the mail. There was a letter there. It had a check in it for $10,000. 
A man said, I sold my business and I wanted to help your church and sent us $10,000. That was the start of the money building fund for this building here. And God provided the money over a million dollars to build this building here. And when we had our first service in this building, everything was paid for. Why? Because God is faithful. And I could go on and on. That first building, when we, when we went into that first building from the school over to the... We actually met in a house before we built the first building. We didn't have a piano. I went to Carl Henderson and I said, Carl, we need a piano. <clears throat> I said, it was Thursday. I said, we need it Sunday. Let me look at your used pianos. I said, I got $1,000. And he showed me some used pianos and he said, Tim, he said, you don't want these. He said, they're junk. He said, you need to buy a new piano. I said, Carl, I can't afford it. I, don't, I have $1,000. He said, well, at least look at it. So he showed me a piano, a Kauai upright piano. It was $3,000. I said, Carl, I don't have $3,000. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll mark it down to $2,000. And then he said, I'll write your, check for a thousand, uh, your church a check for $1,000. And you take that 1000 and put it with your 1000 and you write me a check back for $2,000. God is faithful. And I could go on and on. You see, when you start looking back at how God's been faithful in the past, you can say, you know what? God is faithful faithful. He'll do the same thing today and tomorrow and the next day. He's still faithful to take care of us. He'll never fail. God is faithful. Let's pray together. Father, thank you as we sang this morning, great is thy faithfulness. We thank you that we have a faithful God. We bow before you in humility and sometimes with a broken heart to admit that we've not been as faithful to you as we ought to be. Lord, you deserve our best. No matter what happens, you're faithful. There's some people here today that may have never trusted you as the one to be the faithful one to intervene between you and man have never trusted your son as their Lord and Savior, would you help them to open their heart to you today? Lord, there's many of us in times in our life when we've not trusted you for that way of escape, when we face the temptations. Instead of taking the way of escape, we've yielded and failed. And We're so thankful that you're faithful to forgive when we confess our sins and acknowledge our failure. You forgive and cleanse and restore. And one day you'll see to it, because of your faithfulness, that we'll be with you. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We can take it to the bank. We can count on it. It's God's word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Would you help us to determine today that we will be more faithful to you in our walk with you. Thank you you never give up on us. Thank you that we never fail too greatly or fall too deeply that you can't reach down and pick us back up. Great is thy faithfulness. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.